0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Cox. Andrew is the Senior Retail Analyst at FreightWaves. He is the host of the podcast, Great Quarter Guys. He is also the host of the podcast, Point of Sale, a retail supply chain podcast. And he is the retail lead for the Freight Waves community. He writes their weekly newsletter. He is a supply chain guru, and I am excited for him to join the show. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Chris. I would not consider myself a guru uh, quite yet, but uh, hopefully on the way. Excellent. Excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit more about you and what Freight Waves is. Sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm Andrew Cox. I am 25. I I guess I used to call myself a recent grad, but I guess I'm just now emerging from the recent grad, uh, uh, you know, moniker. So I graduated a couple years ago. I've been at Freight Waves for two and a half years. I started there as an intern um, back in 2018, got a full time job right after graduation uh, with with Freightwave's writing on the research team. So Kevin Hill, Seth Holm, and I started the research started on the research team at Freightwave's when it launched in May ish of 2019. So we wrote long form research uh, reports uh, for the research division, and uh, and then soon after, there in the in the fall of 2019, they kind of beefed up the FreightWaves TV aspect uh, of it. And I'll get into the whole picture of FreightWaves in a moment. Uh, So then I started doing podcasts and getting on TV with virtual events uh, and so on. But FreightWaves, you can think about it as a mini Bloomberg. Uh, So the the breadwinner of the company uh, is is our data platform called Sonar. It is an amazing real time data platform for the freight and logistics industry, but it has a lot of warehousing data, real estate data. Uh, It has loads of data in it. So we have uh, customers that are not only in freight logistics, but in investing. Um, And we have retailers, of course, uh, big shipping companies, everybody can use uh, some of the data in Sonar. So that is our breadwinner. But uh, similar to what Mike Bloomberg figured out, was that you need a media arm to kind of evangelize some of that data and help connect people uh, to the data. So, uh, Freightwaves. Also has this big media arm, including FreightWaves.com, which is the leading um, freight and logistics news website. So our media includes the website. We also have loads of podcasts and and shows. So as you said, I, I lead two of those, and uh, and now. Ever since COVID began, we had a third uh, arm, which was big in person events, but that has shifted onto virtual events. We actually do have an in person event that just uh, got announced. We're going to do it in November uh, called F3, the future of freight in Chattanooga. It's going to be amazing uh, November 8th through the 10th, but that's going to be our first in person event in a while because we had shifted to virtual events. So I got Involved with the virtual events at FreightWaves throughout uh, the coronavirus, which was great. I had a lot of conversations with amazing people from all over the place, uh, including NASA. We did a Space Waves event, which was uh, the future of uh, freight logistics in space. So that was amazing. So we've got a, a wide range of conversations. But FreightWaves is a uh, with pretty much a, a two-headed monster uh, right now, which is it's uh, our, our data platform, Sonar, and our media platform, uh, FreightWaves.com, and all and FreightWaves TV, and all the virtual events that we do. Really
0: interesting. Don't talk about supply chain and the the freight industry all that much on this podcast. Been following you on social media. You've put out some provocative, thought-provoking content, and I am excited for you to share that today. Before we get there, we're gonna go to the part of the show called Clear the Air. And so I've got three questions for you. Are you ready, Andrew? Probably not, but let's go for it. <laughs> all right. Question one. When is the last time you tried something for the first time?
1: Yeah, I had I have to think about this one. And I, I was thinking back and I remember doing this for the first time. It wasn't that long ago. It was probably three weeks ago. And that was try virtual reality. I put on one of the Oculus Quest 2s. Uh, I, had, I had seen the Oculus Quest 1. They had it at my in-law's house um, last Christmas, but I didn't try it because I honestly was like, I don't want to get I, w- I want to try it when it's even better. I want to like have my first experience when it gets better. I saw my girlfriend put it on and she was just amazed. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And I played top golf on it and it was amazing. So uh, that virtual reality, first time a couple of weeks ago.
0: Incredible. Great answer. I am fascinated by the vast array of answers I've gotten on that question. So uh, really cool. Second question, Andrew. What is one skill you don't have, but you wish, wish you did?
1: Cool. Yeah, there's only one answer here. So my mother is Cuban, uh, but I was born very late in her life. She was 40 uh, when I was born. So by the time that I was born, she uh, she she is still fluent in Spanish, but she didn't just didn't have the energy to fight with a very difficult child to learn it. So I never learned I never learned enough Spanish growing up. So that is like my biggest regret that I haven't uh, learned Spanish yet. And it's just a, a shame to my my Hispanic heritage that I don't. So it's definitely uh, speaking Spanish.
0: It is on the bucket list. Is it on the bucket list? Are you going to going to?
1: Sure, it's on the bucket list. The thing is, I, I want to just move to South America or Central America, um, and I'm only going to be able to do that if I can save up a, a, a significant amount of money and just uproot the family and take the wife there and we can just live there for 18 months or so and we don't have to work like very serious jobs. Uh, that would be ideal. So that is on the bucket list. But, you know, it, it may take a while.
0: <laughs> Understood. All right. Last question. What is something most people agree with, but you don't?
1: Oh, man. Uh, that's, uh, that Italian is the best food. You know, I think, I think when people <laughs> like when they think about their favorite foods, that's their favorite cuisine. They always think Italian. And I think that's whack.
0: <laughs> what is your favorite food?
1: Oh, man. Well, I mean, I can't say Asian because it's just too many foods in one. But I do love Korean food. Um, yeah, I'll probably say Korean food.
0: Korean food is great. I love Korean barbecue. All right. I'm excited because we are going to talk about top three trends in retail supply chain right now. All right, Andrew, what is the first top trend in the retail supply chain right now? So I think
1: there's this... one of the big one is just this divergence in delivery strategies. Uh, so, you know, there, there's obviously an arms race going on between Amazon, Walmart, Target, and those that really can, can keep up with them on faster and faster delivery. They're trying to bring that down to Ideally, you know, I mean, it may get too fast. Did you ever watch Ned's Declassified? You might have been might have been a little bit uh, no. Well, it might have been a little bit under your age, but it was just funny. This the, the rich kid would have a phone and he'd call, and ten minutes later, that whatever he wanted would be there. And it's funny because like that is what Amazon is eventually going to go get to uh, in 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 uh, densely populated areas with drones, and so is Walmart and everyone else. So they're going to this faster and faster delivery, and there's going to be a divergence between the people that. Can keep up and should keep up and the people that just shouldn't. And I think there's a lot that shouldn't. And those people that shouldn't are going to, to, I think, need to find creative ways to incentivize customers to take a longer delivery time. Um, And there's a bunch of creative ways that people are doing that. But the divergence here is there's going to be the the retailers that can keep up and the retailers that can't. And I think the ones that can't are going to find this, this creative solution. So, for example, a couple are, and, and before I say that, I will say that there's been a lot of data to prove that you can do this, that customers are willing to uh, to take a longer delivery time in exchange for other benefits. And some of those have been Timbaland, the outdoor uh, apparel company. They figured out that if you just offer to plant a tree uh, in the retailers, in the customer's name in exchange for a longer delivery time, they'll take it 14% of the time. Uh, and some other examples I've seen, um, uh, there's a, a Mexican company called Coppel uh, that did this where they just showed the uh they just showed the the hidden cost of transportation so the the carbon emissions to the customers I can't remember the exact number that 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 ended up taking the longer delivery time, but there's people that will take a longer delivery time, uh, and there's others that will take a longer delivery time just for a lower cost. Um, so there's a big one here that Pinduoduo it is a Chinese e-commerce company that they really kind of pioneered this and figured this out. That if you if you offer the cheapest cost, people really will uh, take a longer delivery time, and it also has to do with the way people are shopping, whether they're browsing or ordering on demand. If you're if you're doing browsing shopping. Um, you're much much more likely to take a longer delivery time. But I think that is a big trend here, that there's going to be this divergence between who can compete and who can't compete in this arms race for faster delivery.
0: You put it so eloquently in this divergent delivery method, and I think you're spot on that not everyone should be competing for faster and faster delivery. One of the things that we are in the value retail space. And one of the things that I like about being in that space is one of the best ways to provide the real value is to go to the store. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier about some of the companies that provide a significant value in their products and the most efficient delivery method might be for BOPUS or me to go pick it up in the store. And I think that that is going to uh, make this this delivery race really interesting and to see what people come up with.
1: Yeah, it was, I had a conversation with Satish Jindal, who uh, has been in the freight industry for 30 years. He now has a, he's the president and CEO of Ship Matrix, They're a data company a great parcel data. But he was saying that they've done surveys of of people that they've said 85% of people that order uh, Amazon two-day or same-day delivery, they don't end up using those products for three or four days after. So it's, they're giving away that that delivery but people don't even really need it and if you uh if you can give them other things in exchange for for them not just taking advantage of the faster delivery they'll they'll end up taking it and I think uh, a really interesting thing that I wrote about the other day was this company called olive that's just recently launched it's uh Nathan Faust he is the former um, he's got a long laundry list of successful exits in e-commerce so diapers.com jet.com is his big one and then he's been an executive at Walmart for the last few years but what he started in Olive is this delivery consolidation company. So, free to use for customers, and right now they're only going after apparel. And I can tell you why it's a it's a really good idea to only go after apparel. But what it is is you download a, a web browser on your Chrome extension, uh, and uh, or or an app, you shop as you normally would. They've partnered with hundreds and hundreds of apparel companies. You shop as you normally would. When you go to when you go to check out, uh, the Olive delivery address is already inputted. It sends it to the to the Olive uh, consolidation place they consolidate all of your weekly all of your orders into one weekly delivery so the whole your area has one weekly delivery date and it's sent in a two way reusable recyclable uh shipper not no cardboard completely cardboardless and so you get all your things delivered once per week uh and you know what what they're the what they incentivize with is free returns seamless returns it's a two way shipper so if you get things delivered on Wednesdays if you have things you want to return rather than having to take it back to the store or take it to a FedEx or UPS you can just put it in this box and then it's returned uh, as easily as things are delivered so that's a big incentive for people that don't really care about the s- sustainability impact but there is a huge sustainability impact too all estimates that 75% of the carbon emissions attributable to e-commerce are from the last mile delivery and uh the 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 packaging. So if you can reduce the packaging, reduce the last mile stops, which they're trying to do, it's a big sustainability impact too. So I think these are all creative ways that people are getting, to, getting customers to accept longer delivery times.
0: Interesting. Uh, that is an interesting one, Olive. I hadn't heard of that until you posted about it. Why should it only be for apparel?
1: Oh, I think it will eventually get to other things, but apparel is a really good place to start because one, uh, people don't order it to be used the next day; it's got a longer um, estimated, you know, use time, uh, and then two, that it, it, this t- apparel is one of the biggest problem apparel has one of the biggest problems when it comes to returns uh, and and people bracketing buying three or four different sizes just to return all but one. Uh, so there's a lot of problems with returns in uh, in apparel, e-commerce. So I think that making this easier um, and making it more efficient, more sustainable is, is, a, is a good place to start. Uh, there was a third point that'll come to me at some point, but <laughs> I can't remember it.
0: Got it, okay. All right, so that's trend number one. The divergent delivery methods. What is trend number two? The so trend
1: number two is uh, fulfillment strategies. So you you're seeing a few different ones uh deployed. And this happened, this has to do with curbside and boba. So what I mean by fulfillment is just how the orders that come on come from online, how they're fulfilled and how they eventually get to their their end customer. So you have uh kind of to begin with, you have a, a on one end of the spectrum, you have Amazon, where you have centralized or a regional, automate, highly automated fulfillment, and on the other end, you have Target, who is leveraging their stores, uh, not using, uh, you know, fulfillment centers to to fulfill their online orders. Ninety-five percent of orders from Target. Online right now are being fulfilled from store, meaning they're either um, literally every one of those orders is has a picker that walks around the Target store, picks up picks the stuff, puts it in a bag, and it's either delivered through shipped their um, their e-commerce you know gig economy third-party delivery company or it's picked up uh, curbside, which it, that is the more likely option. Most of them are picked up curbside because it's free right if you're paying people don't want to pay that additional cost we've talked about this you know earlier i think you mentioned 78% of americans live paycheck to paycheck that additional cost it, it means something so people are going to accept the, the the free one most often that's why i think bopus is is a is a good option here but so these are the two like um, one ends of the spectrum and then you really have walmart in the middle that is also leveraging its stores, but it's doing it in a more automated way. So, they have these local fu- local fulfillment centers is what they're calling them. The first one that rolled out was in uh, New Hampshire, it came out in 2019 to great success. They have this amazing automated uh, robot system called Alphabot that fully automates, almost fully automates the, the picking and packing of groceries. There's just humans, there are still humans there to ensure accuracy, And they also have to go and pick fresh produce and other things, but that will eventually come into the automated fulfillment center as well. So, you know, the difference here is that you're taking the picking out of the store and bringing it to the back of the store. So they're building these fulfillment centers, either onto the back of Walmarts or inside of a Walmart in some cases. And I, and then, you know, also on the, uh, on the Amazon side of things, you have Kroger who Kroger is doing, has a huge partnership with a British company called Ocado. I don't know if you know Ocado, but they're sure. uh, an amazing, uh, you know, they're not yet profitable, but they have an amazing product, these fully automated grocery warehouse uh, warehouses. And so you have them building out these regionally outside of, um, outside of Chicago, outside of Minneapolis, um, and you have them competing with fully automated. Uh, it's always, it's obviously going to be more efficient long-term, um, but you know, they're only available in the highly, they only make sense in, uh, in highly dense areas. Or you have Walmart who has, you know, stores literally everywhere. 95% of Americans live within 10 miles of a Walmart and they're doing less automation. It'll be less uh, efficient, but you'll reach a much wider audience. So you have all of these different, you have a matrix here between uh, centralization and decentralization, and automation and manual processes and the way that they all work out. I think there's room for all of them, but uh, I think it's going to be really fun to see which ones end up being the best long-term. Interesting. From a, giving a
0: value to the consumer and sustainability, I personally love Bopis. I think Bopis is really enables the consumer to uh, get it quickly, get value, and you know hits on the sustainability front. What is your take on that?
1: Oh, I'm with you 100%. I'm long that I'm buying that, whatever, uh, term, whatever ESPN term you want to play on it. I, uh, I'm definitely long that. So I just don't think people want to pay the additional cost. I think that they've been paying the additional cost to have things delivered because they're avoiding the stores. They want to keep their families safe, but that's not going to be the case in six, eight, nine months, whatever, uh, when everybody's vaccinated and stores are open full capacity. Uh, but people are enjoying the convenience of not having to go into the store. So they're going to keep using BOPIS. I think people that have, you know, ordered on target, uh, got in line, pushed the button and had the two people there waiting with bags in hand. All you have to do is push the trunk button and rolled away. I think people have gotten to like that. I, I know I have, and I don't think there's going, I think that's here to stay, you know? So when you think about the COVID changes and uh, e-commerce, It's not going to grow at the same rate it did last year, obviously, but I don't think it's going to decelerate. I think e-commerce is here to stay because of that convenience factor. But when it comes to delivering those online goods, things bought from stores, especially groceries, I don't see uh, grocery delivery really being it's going to be a bigger part, but it's never going to be the majority. I think BOPUS though, has a chance to be a a solid portion of all grocery spend, um, you know, for the foreseeable future.
0: Have you looked at any research around the halo effect? Have you heard of this? As it relates to, it is the, when someone uses BOPUS and they go to the store, the incremental sales that happen, you should do some homework on the halo effect. One of the things that really helps retailers is when you do actually make an order, a BOPUS order, you buy it online, you go pick up in store. The incremental sales that retailers get from that in the store are pretty dramatic. You should take a look at that.
1: Yeah, I, I will. Um, it's certain. I mean, doing this, you also just make better use of your space, better use of your land, better use of your inventories. I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Totally. All right. The right. Let's go to the third trend. What is the third trend? Well, the third one is kind of a discussion on inventories. Uh, there's a couple, a couple questions here. And one is um, inventory levels are really low right now, but you had... Retailers that in the summer last year, when they were ordering for the holiday season, they didn't know what to do, so they were very prudent and they didn't order a lot, and that saved a lot of their holiday seasons, and for many of them, saved their year. Uh, you saw retailers across the board were able to squeeze higher, higher profits and higher margins on lower sales in the holiday season because they didn't have to discount as much at the end of the year. They had much less inventory uh, on hand. So you have retailers, especially apparel retailers, that are in a really uh, unique position where they are notorious for buying too much inventory and having to uh, discount at the end of the year, but they they have just had this miraculous quarter where they were a lean mean, no discount machine, and they did great. But now they're getting excited seeing that the uh, vaccine rollout is, is, is speeding up, people are going back and buy, people want clothes. You, know, you have this big, huge pent up demand because nobody bought any clothes last year. So they can get kind of uh, googly eyed at the potential for a big snapback and rebound in demand. So you know, what do you do? Uh, do you, how do you balance? Um, and, and another point here is that, as you probably know, there was a lot of store closures when it comes to uh, apparel retailers in 2020. So there's, there's market share available to them. So how do you balance the desire to gain market share with uh, long-term profitability and keeping margins uh, the way that they did in the back half of last year? I think it's a really interesting conversation, especially in the apparel industry. A
0: lean, mean, no discount machine we're going to quote you on that andrew
1: yeah I, I i i think i titled my um my newsletter that a few months ago but
0: <laughs> that is a good one a lean mean no discount machine i really like it that's pretty clever and I, I think for full price retailers that is key to maintaining margin uh the discounting is you know the race to the bottom for full price retailers is a dangerous race to get involved in. And if you're a value retailer, that's one thing if that's what your premise is on. But if you're in a business that's high margin, you start to compress those margins, it's it's not not a not a pretty sight.
1: Yeah, there's also that the fact that especially high end retail high end apparel retailers and even mid range they all not only reduced inventory but they reduced skus too well, by a lot like i saw coach for example uh, cut down their handbag selection for the fall season from 1000 to 500 bags and that that's huge 50% of their skus so it's now you know what do you do now that uh, you think that there's going to be a rebound do you then expand and try to go back to to having more options or do you keep it low it's it's very it, it's going to be fun to watch
0: One of the things we talked about with inventory is this port congestion. Why don't you tell us about what's going on with the port congestion?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. uh, There's a big tie here because the vast majority uh, of our retail freight that that we have comes through uh, comes through the port of L.A. And it's not just a port of L.A. that's congested. But this has been the the kind of the golden child here. The, The story maker has been how bad the port of L.A. congestion has been. And it's been bad for a myriad of reasons. One, uh, there's just been no slowdown, and there's just more freight coming in than normal, two. They're backed up on every single level, from warehouses to uh, the to the rails that dray uh, from from port to warehouse to the trucks that need to leave the warehouse. they're they're stopped up on every level. And then on top of that, you have the longshoremen where at one point, 800 or a thousand of them were out with Covid out of fifteen thousand uh, in total. So a significant portion of their wow. workforce. So you now have every day it seems I, I hear it from from our uh, from our, our ocean guy that oh yeah they're breaking another record in the San Pedro Bay for ships at berth just awaiting port space. They, one day it was 30, then it was 40, then it was 50, now it's 60, uh, and there's just literally and and like a a third to half of those are retail consumer or uh, consumer focused freight. So. You have a lot of freight sitting there. We have trying to get through the ports. Inventories are really low right now. Uh I ever, I mean, you know, you go all over the place and you see inventories are low, even at stores. They're, they're, they're still deplenished. And you still have it's trying to get here, but it's get stuck at the port. It may be weeks before it gets here. And it may be even too late, uh, because apparel, you know, soils like milk. And as soon as the season's over, you don't you don't want to be selling winter clothes in March and April. So there's a lot going on with inventories, uh, and 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 the port congestion is definitely a part of it.
0: What are the ship berths? What is a ship berth?
1: Oh yeah, I've learned all of these new terms this uh, over the past year. So a, a berth, I think, is just it's it's a it's it's basically an at anchor uh, and awaiting awaiting berth is awaiting their turn to get into the port. Um, yeah, so they've got like 50 or 60 ships. If you if you look at the Port of LA, I mean, it's just nuts. People are flying over it and it's ships just scattered all the way down to Huntington Beach, uh even up to, you know, Long Beach throughout the entire complex. It's, it's crazy. Wow, really
0: insightful stuff. Well, Andrew, this has been incredible, very unique. I love the three trends in uh retail supply chain that we talked about. Anything else we didn't talk about that, you know, in the retail supply chain that you think is interesting that we should cover?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wrote I wrote the other day that we that Amazon has maybe spoiled Whole Foods. I think this is an interesting topic because it's a it's a it's a store that was known uh for its in-person um qualities you know having the great cafes having the food bars and since COVID has kind of shut down the food bars and shut down the cafes they've just amazon has just made that space into picking and packing and they've filled the stores with pickers uh which who operate much like amazon warehouse workers they have quotas to meet they're not there as customer service so they're inherently you know getting not only getting in the way of customers but customers they're not there to answer Questions from the customers, which is what their people are known for—discovering products, helping people find new stuff. So I think that that is, I mean, something they need to figure out very quickly um, because people are really getting upset with Whole Foods, and 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 hope that at you know grocery grocery sales were up 15 to 25 percent throughout the 2020, and uh, Whole Foods lost market share. Their sales were down eight to 10 percent year over years in-, in store. So. Amazon needs to get. I'm sure they will. I'm confident they can. Uh, but they need to figure out what they're going to do with Whole Foods, and they need to decide whether it's going to be this, um, you know, this this market discovery place that people used to come to to have a unique experience to buy groceries at a premium price, or if it's going to be just an automated warehouse for Amazon. Because right now it's it's the latter, and people are not happy. Uh, so they need to figure it out. I think that's interesting. That is
0: fascinating, and. I hope they figure it out because I believe there's an interesting place for Whole Foods in the grocery world. And you, you hit on some buzzwords that I think, uh, you know, people were going there for a unique discovery of product, a really a cool shop, customer service, and they're willing to pay a premium price. And to be able to have a business that can charge what they charge and people leave there feeling great. that's of immense value and to disrupt that that to me is really interesting and I don't know why you would do that so we'll see anyway so there's that I want to take us to the last part of the show are you ready I am all right call it retail wisdom here we go what extinct retailer do you wish would come back
1: from the dead um Man, I don't know. That's a tough question. All my favorite retailers are still around. <laughs> uh, that's good. It's, it is good. Um, let's let's come back to that one. We'll come back. Okay.
0: What's the last product you bought in a, over twenty dollars that you bought in a store?
1: Yeah, it's definitely steaks. I'm a I'm a New York Strip guy, so I, I buy end up spending you know on, on two New York strips. They end up being over twenty bucks. So uh, I, I do that weekly. So yeah. What what grocery store do you go to? I am a Walmart guy. I have one a quarter of a mile from me. So it's, uh, you know, I grew up going to Walmart. I couldn't, I mean, there's an Aldi right next door and I go there for some things, but um usually Walmart. I'd like to graduate to Publix one day, but you know, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. All right. La- last question, Andrew, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you?
1: In? <laughs> um, Probably electronics, but probably like speaker systems, uh, home speakers. Yeah, I, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an audiophile because I'm not, but I, I do care a lot about sound and uh, you know, studio audio equipment. So I would say probably there. Terrific. All right, let's come back.
0: What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Pier 1.
1: Pier 1. All right. Yeah. I used to go there. My, again, just my mom used to drag me because my, my dad traveled a lot when I was a kid. So I was with her all the time. So she would drag me through all the stores and I did actually enjoy Pier one. I'll say Pier one. Cool. Well,
0: listen, Andrew, this has been great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time and, uh, keep putting out that great content, man. Thank
1: you, Chris. Thanks for the time. Can I give a shout out, uh, to point of sale? So if anybody, Oh yeah. I'll plug anything you want to uh, to go and sign up for that. The great content that I put out twice weekly. Uh, it is called point of sale. That is my newsletter. You can sign up at freightwavescom P O S. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Just search Andrew Cox. My Twitter handle is Andrew Cox 40 I'm fairly active on both. Uh, so yeah, come join our community. Come, come, uh, you know, join the conversation. And uh, if you got any con- if you have any, you know, stuff you want covered and you'd like to learn more about, just reach out and, uh, and I'll try to cover it.
0: That is terrific. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you wanna share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.